Welcome to the Luxury Listing Specialist Podcast with Michael Lafito, where top luxury agents reveal their best practices, plus interviews with real estate industry influencers, thought leaders, and luxury marketing experts. You'll come away from each episode with new strategies and tactics to dominate high-end homes in any market. And now for the latest episode of Luxury Listing Specialist, here's your host, luxury real estate expert, coach and trainer, Michael Lafito. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Luxury Listing Specialist podcast. You're in the right place if you're an agent, you're a team leader, you're a broker owner, you're looking to differentiate yourself, you're looking to raise the bar in the industry, and you're looking to stand out from the competition in your given market. Again, we have various guests, whether it be top rock star luxury agents, service providers, or perhaps guests that fill voids or niches on topics we haven't talked about before. And today's guest is just that. But before I introduce her, don't forget, if you're getting value from this podcast or maybe a previous podcast, please leave us a like, leave us a review. We need more reviews, just like you as an agent need more reviews. Part of Apple and, and iTunes algorithm is when you get more reviews, you get more eyeball traffic and you'll get more listenership. Same thing with you as an agent, whether it be Zillow or one of these third-party websites. So get those reviews and we need some reviews. We're trying to raise the bar and I appreciate you guys listening. As always, any questions, shoot me an email, michael at marketingluxurygroup.com, michael at marketingluxurygroup.com. And without further ado, today's guest, there's a lot of similarities with today's guests with what I'm doing. Again, for those of you that are just tuning in, I'm your host, Michael Lofito, and we launched this show in 2017. And my background on me, I'm a licensed agent here in the state of Illinois, but I'm also the founder of the Luxury Designation. I do my trainings across the world, and we launched our designation based on a need. I had agents asking me, hey, I see what you're doing. You're marketing. You're doing some great videos. Tell me how you're doing it. And the more digging, I realized there was a huge void in the luxury space. There weren't enough people practicing what they preach, or perhaps they were, but they were in luxury markets like Beverly Hills or the Hamptons. And those agents that didn't live in those high-end, mainly affluent areas, couldn't identify with some of those million-dollar agents because I'm in the Midwest or I'm in Dallas or I'm in Atlanta and I'm not in you know, these areas where the average sale price is $2 million plus. So we launched our course, gotten thousands of people through it. And today's guest, Laurel Starks, is the founder of the Alumni Institute, which I'll, ha I'll have her kind of describe what it is. But if you as an agent have been selling long enough, you've probably come across a client that you've sold a home to. And unfortunately you get that call where they're calling you with not great news. They're, they need to sell because perhaps they're going through a divorce. And that's really what today's guest is going to talk about, the complexity of divorce, the do's and don'ts when you're dealing with a prospect or a client that is going through a divorce. And, and so Laura launched a course just like I did to help agents understand those complexities, help become that specialist when it comes to divorce, where you can attract more opportunities, not just from clients, but also lawyers that deal with these divorce. So without further ado, Laurel, I tried to set the stage as best I could and, and give a little insight, but uh, please share a little further on your story. 
You did a great job. Thanks for having me on. So um, I got licensed in real estate in 2005. Um, I was a, I was in an, in the airline industry. So I, I practically fell out of the sky and landed right into real estate. And I uh, got a, you know, my very first listing was a regular couple who a husband had gotten a great promotion and they were ready to move up. And so it was a move up buyer. It was a wonderful situation. And it was really fun to be a part of something like that. My second listing I got was a divorce listing. So I was contacted by a lawyer that I had met not related to real estate. I had not met him as part of my real estate uh, business, but I just had met him some other way. And uh, he called me one day and said that he was on his way home from court and he just had me appointed on a case and I needed to sell the house. Um, I met with his client, who was the wife, that afternoon, went to the property, noticed that the property was in uh, a lot of disrepair. She did not have the money to keep the property up. Husband had not been paying support. He had been very abusive. This was her side of the story. He had been very abusive to her and she was moving with her son to Oregon and needed the house to be sold in 30 days. There was a restraining order against him. She was very afraid to have showings and to do an open house and that sort of thing because uh, she was afraid that he was going to you know, come in the house. And so she said that I, you know, she wasn't on speaking terms with him whatsoever, didn't even have his contact information. So I had to contact, you know, I had to figure out how do I even get his contact information, right? And so I contacted his lawyer, got his contact information. He told me that he was never going to speak to me again. He hung up the phone. Um, before he hung up the phone, he said, my wife wants to take my son out of state and hell will freeze over before I'm going to have any part of that. And so don't call me again. And he was true to his word. He didn't he didn't take my calls again. So as a brand new agent, I was not sure how I sell a house with somebody who's not talking to me. Um, and he's on title to the property. So we've got to, you know, get him involved. So, um, I found myself for the first time in my life in a courtroom, uh, speaking to the judge on the witness stand, explaining to the judge what actions I had taken, what I needed in order to get the property sold. And she then appointed somebody at the courthouse to sign all the paperwork on his behalf. She kind of ejected him from the entire situation. He got no decision-making power. He was not contacted anymore and uh, never signed a, never signed a thing. So I realized that was a very different type of a process than my mm-hmm. first listing. Right. And uh, I was desperate. I mean, I gave you the 30 second version. Um, but believe me, there was a lot of head scratching, not knowing what to do. Um, even my broker had great support within my office. They were sort of stumped as well. This was not something that they had encountered a lot. And so I recognized that uh, there was not education in our in our industry that address this. I figured NAR would surely have something or some, you know, something somewhere and there wasn't. Um, so I sort of figured it out. I got a point, I sold that house. Um, I got appointed to another case and another case and another case. And I just, the more I got into the, into the 
um, into the, you know, field of it. And the more experience I had, I recognized there was a big disconnect. There's a disconnect between family law and what they think, uh, about real estate and how they approach real estate in the family law system. I realized lawyers really don't know anything more than the average, average public, you know, they don't have specialized information. They may know some legal stuff. They may know a little bit more like what is a list pendants, how the different ways to hold title. They may know some of the legal stuff more than an average person. Uh But when it comes to, you know, how the, all of the mechanics of listing and selling property, um, they, they don't really have a lot more information. They took a couple of law school classes on real estate and that was it. Some of them don't even own homes. And if they do own a home, some of them bought one once. Um, so there's a huge disconnect there. Clients are looking to their lawyers for answers on real estate and lawyers aren't equipped to give them answers. They don't live and breathe it every day. Right. I also then realized that there's a disconnect in our own real estate community. Realtors are not trained to work in high conflict litigated matters. There is this litigated matter that is going on that has jurisdiction and control over everything we do. And yet there's no training on on how we need to work alongside the the legal system and the court system. There's also no I don't think it's even I don't even think that's brought up, by the way. I'm thinking back, you know, I've been licensed since 2000, but. I don't even remember that, discu- that that topic even being discussed, let alone training. Yeah. yeah, correct. They're just like, oh, just list it. Right. So then realtors just go off and list properties without, without any sort of uh, collaboration with the legal process that they're in, even though the court has jurisdiction over everything. Right. Um, and then there is also no skill training. How do you deal with two people who hate one another, are at odds with one another, don't trust anything from the other person, and they both have opposing motives? One wants to sell, one doesn't want to sell. One is completely devastated. The other one can't wait for this to be over with. One is completely in shock. You know, the other one is like on with their life. So one thinks the other's hiding money from them or is out to get them or wants to hurt the other person financially. All the time. They call it financial domestic violence. It's a thing. So, you know, realtors do not have, we don't have the skills on how do we, How are we neutral third parties and how do we not show bias? How are we aware of our biases? How do we build trust so that we are Switzerland and we build trust equally with both of the parties? And then how do we handle things like sales sabotage? What do we do when somebody is not showing the property. What happens when you or your open house agent goes to show up at the house to do an open house and there are four pit bulls running loose inside the house and nobody's home? That happened to me. Um, You know, what's the plan? How, How do we navigate and get this to close? And, um, you know, so it's just, there's a lot of, um, there's a big disconnect between the family law side and the real estate side. And I saw a need 
So I dove in and I learned everything I could about the family law system so that I could know how to serve them. What are their gaps? What are their holes? What are their deficiencies? And how can I be the solution to that? And I have a headache that they don't even know that they have. They have been hobbling along so long without an expert, without someone who knows their world, that they don't even realize what a pain it is. Not unlike yellow cab and Uber. None of us realized what a pain it was to hail a stupid cab and pay for it and sit in some dirty automobile. And then Uber came along. It was like, oh my gosh, what a relief to right. this headache, right? So it's it's kind of a similar thing. Um, so can over I stop the years- can I, can I stop you right there? Sure. So I, I want to po point out a couple of things that Laurel mentioned. Um, she talked about with family law and and trying to identify gaps um, that that agents aren't educated on so that agents that go through her training and in her case she had to learn this could provide a solution and, and could be a neutral entity she used the term uh, Switzerland right so uh, being neutral not picking sides but solution based so those of you that are listening you know, you might have opportunities with canceled or expired or for sale by owners. For example, with canceled and expired listings, they're frustrated at the process. They might be frustrated with the first and their second agent. And you have to provide solutions, identify gaps, things that you can do differently and bring more value to the table and then provide solutions. And so that's a, you know, that, that's no different from divorce to other niches or other opportunities within our day-to-day -day offering. So uh, with that, I'll continue on, Laurel. I just wanted to point that yeah. out because that was valuable information. Yeah, absolutely. What they don't need is just a regular Joe realtor saying, hey, if you have any cases with, you know, houses that need to be sold, um, you know, I'm um, the, you know, I'm, I'm Superman and I'm going to come in with my cape and, and look at me, look at me, look at me. Right. That is not the approach. The approach is to understand their holes, their gaps and be the solution to it. Mm -hmm. So, um, so in any case, I, I became very familiar. I became one of the family law community. So, I mean, I'm, I am a part of their world. They see me at all of their bar meetings. They see me. I even am a chairperson for the, for the holiday gala that gets thrown here. I've been, I've served on boards for family law organizations before. So I became one of them so that I, because I am a family law professional. Hi, it's Michael Lafito here with a quick break from the podcast. If you are committed to increasing your average sale price and you want to work smarter, not harder, then you want to check out LuxuryListingSpecials.com where you'll find out more information about the Lux designation along with some additional resources. Again, I'll repeat, check out LuxuryListingSpecials.com. And now let's get back to the show. Over the years, I've really, I've been able to effectuate change. Um, I educate my lawyers on everything that they need to know about the market, about things going on in family law cases that I see in my cases that we can learn from. So I educate them. 
Um, I also am a resource for them. I provide them data. I provide them help with specific cases. I provide them with, you know, title tracing. I am an expert that they'll hire. Maybe they've got a case where one of the parties devalued the home. They specifically devalued the home and uh, they need somebody to come in and testify to that. So I'm hired a lot as an expert. And then obviously- So if I devalued the home in that instance, you got a frustrated- seller is it is it usually the person that is the victim in the divorce in other words the, the or is it usually t- talk to me about that real quick so you're talking about devaluing the home is this an instance where husband or wife they've let the house go or they're yeah. intentionally damaging the house or both so it could be um it could be in one or two scenarios so when you have a when you have a divorce and you've got somebody who is uh, you know, you've, they, they're either going to keep it or sell it, right? One of the two, they're going to either keep it or they're going to sell it. And so the person who wants to keep the house, they want the value to be as low as possible because they have to buy out the equity interest in the other side. So they want to buy out for as little as possible. The person who is not keeping the house whether it's being sold or whether it's uh, because they're being bought out, they want the value to be as high as possible. So it's not uncommon to see the, the, the party who's keeping the house. It's not uncommon to see them depreciating the value. So things like repairs that aren't made, um, you know, they've, maybe they've um, they're they don't have flooring in a, in, two of the bedrooms, they've taken off wall plates, they've, um, you know, the house is just a complete pigsty, maybe they've disconnected the furnace, maybe they, so it can't qualify for finance, just all these types of things. Um, They will do, sometimes I had a client a few months ago, he literally started dismantling the house. He he had the, the kitchen cabinets removed. He had the kitchen island removed. He had the um, the kitchen cabinet, uh, the the bathroom cabinets removed. So these are situations, high conflict situations, where they need someone. So wife is entitled. In in that case, wife is entitled to the fair market value of the property. But the fair market value of the property, when it's intact, is different than the fair market value is when True. it's stripped. So Please. they need an expert to come in and to testify as to how much did that depreciate the value so that wife can be compensated for, for her fair share. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Well, that was, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I've, I've seen situations like this. I've heard stories, but that was a very good, thorough explanation. So we have this huge, you know, the statistics better than I do. What, what percent, what's the latest statistic of of marriages that end up in divorce approximately what did you hear late recently you know it's a little believe it or not it's gotten under 50 percent. it's uh somewhere in the neighborhood of about 42 percent. i think is about the last oh, stat that i saw good, yeah good yeah and in your experience were there was there a peak that was covid good for marriages or bad for marriages you know, whether uh, whether or not it was good for marriages or bad for marriage, there's still this data and study coming studies coming out on that. Um, I did see an article come out, I think, in October of 2020 that said that the 
uh, divorce rate had spiked something like 30%, but then it seems like there are, um, you know, that there's been somewhat of a, of a decline. Um, remember family law cases can be just because there are new cases doesn't mean that it's a new filing. In other words, you can have a case on custody, right? So maybe COVID threw a complete wrench in custody, uh, arrangements. Imagine you've got somebody who, you know, is on the far end of the spectrum on, uh, on quarantining and you've got somebody else who's on the far end of the spectrum of not quarantining or something. So, um, or they have to travel to get to one another and stuff. So there are a lot of new, you know, there's a lot of activity there in terms of selling the house. What happened during COVID was courts shut down, um, or courts went virtual and really slimmed down. So there had been a lot of cases where there were supposed to be filings uh, and there were supposed to be orders for the house to sell. Mm -hmm. And those hearings completely got pushed to later in the year, um, 2021, quarter four, 2021. But we're actually seeing a lot of those cases now starting to run through the system uh, because when the courts opened up, you know, they take things on more of a triage. They take custody disputes and domestic violence. All that stuff comes before property issues. Sure. So, um, so we're seeing property issues are really starting to find their way through the system now. And okay. uh, yeah, we're also seeing a lot of houses are being um, ordered sold because the run up in equity, it has made it prohibitive for people to do a buyout for people for one spouse to buy out and keep the property. Sure. A lot of people did forbearances. Um, a lot of people through COVID, maybe they, you know, hurt their credit a little bit here and there. Mm -hmm. So it makes a buyout more difficult. So we're mm -hmm. seeing a lot of that. Okay. Um, I will say that the, that the issues with divorce really are prevalent. It's interesting among all socioeconomic backgrounds. So even in luxury, we see, I take cases, the houses are in foreclosure, the houses, there's been deferred maintenance. They may have the money. It just may be out of spite that they're not doing it or keeping it up or making the house payments. Um, so, you know, a lot of these things are very prevalent um, throughout all different types of socioeconomic, uh, mm -hmm. you know, circumstances. Divorce is an atom bomb on a financial uh uh, situation and, and, and trajectory for a family, no hmm. matter how much money you have, it is an atom bomb on the trajectory. And so, um, you know, people don't come out of divorce, having made more money with better credit, with less debt. That's not how people come out of divorce, hmm. whether they're hmm. wealthy or whether they're not wealthy. Yeah. So, um, you know, even in, even in high end luxury, there's, uh, there are a lot of people are living, you know, right up close to their means. Sure. And then you get, uh, you know, you get a divorce on there and it can sink, it can sink, uh, a, a family's finances quickly. Yeah. Well, you know, just just some great information, Laurel. I really appreciate it. So let's fast forward. You, you have this Alumni Institute. Talk talk to us a little bit about this. Uh, just like we have our trainings, we do live events. Um, I, I know it's not cheap. It's for those agents, those team leaders that are dedicated to to bringing more value. Uh, talk to me a little bit about how somebody can find out more information on uh, your course and your trainings because. 
right now, I think you're doing live again. Are, are you not? Or are you about to do in-person events? We had gone, we've gone virtual. Um, we we're going to do our October. So we, a couple things. Um, the alumni, let me start kind of uh, the, the alumni Institute was formed by myself as well as other family law professionals. So we have a faculty of family law attorneys. We have um, a judicial officer who is a, uh, who's a guest, who's a, a guest speaker and instructor for us. We have got uh, financial professionals. So it's not just me. We've got a full faculty um, who came together and believe in the mission of, of uh, disrupting how real estate is handled in family law cases. And so we have got two courses that we offer. One of them is our on-demand online boot camp and the Divorce Niche Boot Camp. That is designed to teach someone the nuts and bolts. So if you've got a divorce listing or if you're about to get a divorce listing, or maybe you're even going to, you know, go, you're competing for a listing and it's a divorce case. This is the class that you, it's like your manual. It's what I wish I had. Remember that case I was telling you about? Yes, it's, what the, yes. it's exactly what I wish I had. And so it is, it is that it also comes with a 12 month marketing plan for your um, sphere, for your database to maximize your database. Um, then we have our certification program, our certification program. What we did is we took, there is in the legal industry, there is a certified C, uh, um, certified Family Law Specialist, CFLS, Certified Family Law Specialist. So a lawyer can become specialized in family law. They take the CFLS course. CFLS has got very stringent um, guidelines and, you know, application. And it's a very, it's a, the, the people that are CFLSs are the creme de la creme in family law. And so we pulled out our, our faculty are CFLSs. And so we pulled out the, the, the book on that, on what were the minimum mandatory requirements? What was the application process? And then what was the curriculum? And what, is, what are the ongoing requirements? Okay. So we took that and we mirrored that for divorce, for, for real estate, because our certification has to mean something to lawyers, our certification, the value of our certification is in direct proportion to how lawyers see it and what the, the value that they place on it. So we can't, you know, the lawyers are people who have, you know, they've got, they've got a four-year bachelor's degree, a three-year law degree. There's still a lot of them paying several hundred thousand dollars in student loans. Um, they, psycho forensic psychologists are colleagues that are in the family law world, forensic CPAs. So it's a very, this is a very educated field to get mm -hmm. into. So in order for us, for our, our uh, um, uh, certification to mean something to them, it has to be, it has to be equivalent to them. It can't be an online, you know, it can't just be some six hour thing. Um, it needs to have credibility. So we offer our program. It is a six month program and it is, um, it is offered twice a year. 
So we go April to October, and then we start a next another class October to April. And it is a very, very deep dive into um, the anatomy of family law, um, communication bias, the art of neutrality. Um, we have a very specific divorce listing protocol that that is followed because these this is not business as usual. And uh, we get into divorce finance. We get into a lot of really deep things that make a person an expert. Um, we provide a, a complete um, soup to nuts uh, business development system. We don't call it lead generation because it, this is a B2B. It's business development. So our ideal person who um, is who is a student of that is someone who's mastered real estate. You've got to have mastery of real estate before you get into this. Sure, and more advanced. You got to be- Absolutely. A, yeah. Right, um, mastery of real estate. Um, and it is someone who is looking to add um, a substantial leg, at least a third of their business. They want to come from divorce. Some of our CDREs have made the shift to this is all their business. Um, and it's someone who has the passion for it, who can, um, who can not see this as simply a, you know, just a sort of a predatory lead generation, you know, thing, but this is really a, um, it's really, you know, a, a ministry in many ways, because we are an integral part of housing for this family. Hmm. So, um, that is, you know, th those are our ideal candidates. Um, they go through an extensive interview process, application process. So where, where can they find out more about both products? You have the, hey, I got a big one, big, big upcoming appointment. I want to, you know, differentiate myself, kind of that self-paced, not that six month course, but what, 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 what do you call that? Bootcamp. Your bootcamp. Is that, where can they find out more about the bootcamp? Because that will be you know, 80, 90% of our listeners would be maybe interested in that. So let's start there. So the, you can go to the divorce niche.com. Okay. And that'll tell you all about the boot camp. Perfect. The divorce niche.com. Check out the divorce niche.com. Yep. All right. Uh, and then tell me about where can they find out more about the more intense twice a year course? Get divorce certified.com. I like that. Okay. Get divorced certified.com. It's get and, divorced. So it's not divorced. It's get divorce certified.com. Spell the, the divorce with the ED at the end. Not an ED. So Just it's D I V O R C E certified.com. Okay. Okay. Get divorce certified.com. Okay. Perfect. And Let's end with kind of more of a rapid fire for all the listeners. If you were to give me three do's and three don'ts, maybe the listeners have a divorce situation right now, a client, a buyer, a seller. Maybe they've got an upcoming appointment and you, they, they've heard it's a divorce situation. You know, I don't want to scare anybody away, but let, let's start with the, the don'ts. Like what, what are two or three things that you'd advise agents not to do when working with a, a, a divorce seller or a divorce, yeah, in this case, sellers. Sure. So number one is do not align with one side over don't, the other. Don't pick a side. 
don't pick a side. And it isn't just about you not picking a side. It's about the appearance of you not picking a side. So remain, remain neutral, remain unbiased. And that even means don't have two or three appointments with one party before you have made contact with the other party. You, I will only talk to, I will talk to one party one time and then I've got to have, I've got to make sure that the other side's on board. And if they are on board, then I'll go do a walkthrough of the property. But then my next appointment is with the other party, not living in the house. So balance that, balance that communication. That's number one. Number two is don't always meet with them together or communicate with them together. Um, in fact, almost never does do we do that in my office. I deal with a lot of high conflict. So we do, so bringing two people together in say a joint text, um, having conference, having conference calls with both of them on the line. Um, what, what we're, that's a very myopic perspective. We see just the real estate piece of it. What they see is, and what they're experiencing is, is nerves, um, nausea, <laughs> you know, feelings, hatred. They don't even, some, they don't even want to hear the other person's voice. If that other person says, I think we should accept the offer, the other they're not going to accept it just because that's what they want. The other side wants to do. So don't join in communications like that. It, we do silo communications. You will get a lot more cooperation from them when you do that. Very, very um, good. The third thing not to do is try to get them to agree with one another. Don't get them to try to agree with one another. She wants to list it for 1.2. What do you think? Would, do you agree with that? Okay, that's not the way to do it. Now we're going to flip to what to do. What to do is get them to agree with you. My recommendation based on all of the data, based on the, the market, based on my experience, based on blah, 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 blah. My recommendation is, is that we list it for 1.2. You want them to agree with you. Getting them to agree with one another is naive. They're getting mm -hmm. a divorce. They're getting a divorce because they don't get along. They're getting a divorce because they don't agree on something or lots of things. Great, um, great point. And then, yeah. And then another thing, uh, another thing to do, if I'm having to <laughs> get it, you know, nail it down to like one more thing, because there's a lot of stuff to do. Sure. Do, do your research. Um, ahead of time. These tend to have a lot of um, tentacles with them. So what you want is get a copy of the court order. If there is a court order, ask for a court order and get a copy of it because it might have verbiage in there that impacts the sale of the house. It might, it might say that the property is to be listed by a certain date for a certain price. You know, it might, it, it might have all these terms in there that we need ask for a copy of the court order, and then do your background and do your research. Pull title early. First thing, pull title. As soon as you are done having that very initial conversation that they're getting a divorce, they need to move, they need to list the house, get your title company to give you title 
because you need to verify who's on the prop, who's on title to the property. Is it one or both? There's one side, one party on the property. The other party's not on the property. You may have a big problem. Mm -hmm. There may be a cosign or something, whatever. There could definitely be liens, judgments, IRS stuff. It's very common. These tend to be distressed. Um, they have a lot of, there's a high propensity for distressed stuff. They could be on foreclosure. So do your research early on. The time to find out about an IRS lien is not in escrow. Mm -hmm. The time to find out about things like that is day one. So great, hopefully great. that helps. That, that was very, very helpful, Laurel. I appreciate that. Uh, if somebody wants to get in touch with you, where can they find you? I am, uh, send me an email. Laurel, yeah. Laurel at alumniinstitute.com. I-L-U-M-N-I institute.com. And Laurel, that's L-A-U-R-E-L. Correct. Okay, Laurel at alumniinstitute.com. Very good. Just a, a wealth of nuggets. Uh, I learned a lot. Uh, appreciate it. The art of neutrality is, uh, you know, being neutral is, uh, you know, something that is a big takeaway, not just in a divorce situation, but, you know, dealing with buyers, dealing with sellers, you know, many times agents want to put their personal opinion in everything. And you sometimes have to learn to listen and you have to learn to be neutral. And that's difficult. It's easier said than done, especially in some of these high intense and, and I guess nasty divorce, isn't it, Laurel? Absolutely. <laughs> you got it. That is um, that is thing one right there. So take a look at getdivorcecertification.com or the divorce. What was the last, the other one for the uh, boot camp? So the divorce niche.com. The divorce niche.com. Thank you. So the divorce the, niche. I can't read my own writing. Hey, the divorce niche.com. And then it's get divorce certified. Not get certification. Getdivorcecertified.com. Get That's it. Laurel, appreciate your time today. Again, guys, if you have questions for Laurel, you have questions for me, shoot me an email, Michael at marketingluxurygroup.com, Michael at marketingluxurygroup, or send Laurel, Laurel at alumniinstitute.com. And any questions about today's show, if you'd like to see a different guest, a different topic, you have a recommendation, maybe you think you have a unique story that you'd like to share, please let us know. Don't keep us a secret. Keep raising the bar in real estate. And again, my, my philosophy is you treat everybody equal. doesn't matter if it's a rental, if it's a luxury. Again, you want to be that luxury specialist. That's great, but help all people. You never know where that next referral is. Just a reminder, I have a $10.5 million listing. As I'm recording this, it came from a gentleman that used to borrow my U-Haul truck and he works at, at the health club. So you just don't know where that referral is going to come from. Keep raising the bar in real estate. Laurel, great information. Looking forward to continuing our relationship on how we can help raise the bar in the industry. Absolutely. Until next time, folks, you're listening to Michael Lafito and the Luxury Listing Specialist Podcast. Prove others wrong. Take care. Bye.